0: Hello, I'm Kyle Corbwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, I'm joined by Tom Beckett from the Chief Investment Office at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. We're gonna be talking about a popular investment strategy that has come under fire lately, and that strategy is the 60-40 rule. So having 60% invested in shares and 40% in bonds. Historically, this formula has worked very well The theory is that while shares offer the prospect of higher returns over the long term, bonds provide the defensive ballast that's required to ensure that a hangover is averted when stock markets go through tough periods. However, there are now question marks over whether the strategy is still fit for purpose. Before we get to that, Tom, could you put some more meat on the bone as to why 60-40 has worked so well in the past?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for once, it's an investment or an economic theory which actually works. A lot of these things actually prove to be utter nonsense uh, in the rearview mirror. But the reason it's been successful is because the fundamental theory behind it works. As you rightly point out, equities are typically the growth part of your portfolio. And for a long time, that has been the case. And history suggests that that's been very strongly the case over the last 150 years, and bonds typically provide the ballast. So what you tend to find is that as economic conditions are weakening, interest rates get cut, which might mean your equity part of the portfolio is not performing particularly well, but the bonds are then gaining in value. So in very simple terms, an economic theory, which has worked and one which has been really successful for clients, which is why up until last year, everyone embraced it fully.
0: So let's talk about last year. So in 2022, the sixty forty portfolio—it had a year to forget. So both bonds and shares unusually fell at the same time in response to those interest rate rises that have been taking place since the end of twenty twenty one. So this has led some commentators to call the death of the sixty forty portfolio. What's your thoughts on that, Tom? Well, I
1: don't think we're coming here to talk about death, Kyle. But uh, thanks. That's really cheered me up. So uh, I think in simple terms. What we saw last year was just an unmitigated disaster. Not quite death, but an unmitigated disaster uh, for investors, because we saw something which economic theory, again, most of which are nonsense, suggested shouldn't take place. And that is we saw both bonds and equities falling together. Now, I've actually done a little bit of research, so I want to use that research to pretend I know what I'm talking about, Carl. So I'm going to talk about in the US context, because that's the biggest, most liquid markets. And there, there is a great deal to read across to UK investors, but it's not perfect. But last year, as an example, US equities fell nearly 20% and bonds fell nearly 12% together at the same time. It was miserable and it really called into question the validity of the theory behind the 60-40 portfolio and has led some commentators to call for its death, i.e. it no longer works. Putting that into context, that was the third worst performance in the last 100 years and surpassed the overall losses of that similar portfolio in 2008. That's how bad it was. But it was bad for a specific reason. It was bad because at the end of 2021, and you wouldn't have found many, many investment advisors talking this at the time, but we are at the end of a massive central bank inspired bubble across all asset markets. In hindsight, it's easy to say at the time, it was more difficult and controversial to say, but the outlook for assets was poor. And I would liken 2022 to being a clearing event for financial markets from which things, including for the 60-40 portfolio, should get better. But that was what the problem was last year, a change in tone, a change in direction, a move higher in interest rates and move higher in inflation and a move down in bonds and equities together.
0: you've mentioned things should get better. So going forward in the years to come, do you think the 60-40 portfolio will be as successful as it has been historically?
1: Well, maybe not as successful as it has been historically, because it's been fundamentally extremely successful. But I don't want to become your podcast and be blasphemous, but I mean, a, a bit like our dear Lord Jesus Christ, it's died and risen once again. I think the validity of a 60-40 portfolio has very much come back into focus for one very simple reason. And that is that we've gone from the insane world that we had at the end of 2021, when bond yields were basically zero, back to a situation now where bond yields have repriced significantly higher in that repricing or clearing event I talked about in 2022, which means that bonds can now go back to the fundamental role for that portfolio, which is as economic growth slows and interest rates get cut, Bond prices should, all things being equal, and we can talk about that in a minute, rise in value to offset weakness potentially in stock markets. So I think the outlook for a balanced portfolio or a 60-40 portfolio actually is better now than it has been for quite some time because of that repricing in fixed interest markets. I mean, can it go back to doing the long run averages? I think that's still quite suspicious. Can it go back to doing something sensible for balanced investors? Why not?
0: So the future direction of interest rates you just touched on, that'll have a big bearing on the success of the sixty forty strategy going forward. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned, you know, if, if interest rates are cut, then in theory that will lead to bond yields falling and bond prices rising. So then the, the bond elements of the portfolio will actually benefit in terms of those price rises. So unless there's a stock market catastrophe for equities, then it sh- you know, it should in theory do quite well. Yeah, I mean, there's
1: a lot of hypotheticals that we can draw upon, but in very simple terms, that should be the case. If economic growth weakens and central banks are forced to react by cutting interest rates, what typically happens is that bond yields fall as prices rise, as people are attracted to the income on offer from bonds by comparison to the interest rates they can get from the bank, assuming the bank's paying you any form of interest whatsoever. So that theory should be appropriate, but I think there's more to it perhaps than than just that. At the same time that interest rates are being cut and bond yields are falling, that makes the attraction of equities higher. So in that case, you could get a situation whereby interest rates are being cut, bonds are performing well, but also equities are benefiting from the relief of interest rate cuts and are also doing okay. And it's worth noting that actually for most of the last 100 years, bonds and equities have actually been far more correlated with each other than people might naturally suspect. So I think going forwards, yes, interest rate cuts in the direction of that will be important. But I don't necessarily think that slowing economic growth and interest rates being cut would necessarily translate into a really negative situation for equities. In fact, it could well be that we see relief on both sides of the equation.
0: Those in the camp where they think that the 60-40 strategy is either you know dead or outdated – make the point that this strengthens the argument for having some exposure to alternative assets in a portfolio. What's your thoughts on that?
1: I think if you go back a couple of years, the case for alternatives was really high because the hurdle rate for success was was zero in fixed interest. I think it's important for your, your listeners to, to recognise how much things have changed in the last couple of years. If you go back to the insane world that we lived in in the end of 2021 and think about the fixed interest complex, which is vital for the success of a 60-40 portfolio – We're in a situation where the risk-free rate or the government bond yield or what you get on cash was basically zero. And zero was your best expected return because once various charges have been applied and you apply the inflation rate to get a real return, rates of return were deeply negative. Let's forget that and just set zero for a second. And in fact, actually, at the time we were accepting zero from most government bonds, you're in a situation where there was actually $18 trillion worth of bonds around the world that had a negative yield. And so those perhaps less, um, well, versed in financial matters, that meant that in order to lend money to someone, a company or a government, you had to pay them to look after your money for you, because there was a negative interest rate. If you went to a high quality UK corporate bond, the rate of return on offer from an index was 1.5%, apply the charges in brackets, your rate of return was zero again. If you went to go to some more speculative areas of credit, which sometimes replaced the concept of alternatives, the best rate of return was probably between 3 and 5%. Let's say 5% to be generous amongst friends. I mean, the rates of return were awful, which is why people were driving down the road of private equity, private debt, alternatives. But actually, as you sit here today, that whole risk curve is repriced from 0 to 5% as the risk-free rate. There's loads of short data gilts where you can get a return of around 5%. High quality corporate bonds where the rate of return is probably about six or seven percent, and more speculative areas of credit where you can get rates of return of anywhere between eight and twelve. And let's just say eight percent and, and be conservative. In that environment, you could say, well, why do I even bother with alternatives? Because if your risk-free rate is five and your hurdle rate over that to try and take advantage and and, and recognize these are more complex and less liquid, should be at least three percent. Can I find that many alternatives that are going to generate returns of eight percent? I think not. So I think at the moment, actually your portfolio, and it probably does me out of a job, should look quite like the 60-40 portfolio. It should be quite a lot of simple, easy-to-understand equities and a lot of simple, easy-to-understand fixed incomes because you don't need to take the complexity at this juncture. But but I'd throw this back at you that the 60-40 portfolio is not dead that it is valid once again. But I personally would have 60% in fixed income and 40 in equities. So a 60-40 portfolio of a different variety, reflecting and respecting the fact that the opportunities in fixed interest are the best they've been for 15 years.
0: So more specifically within the bond market, which areas do you think are the most attractive?
1: Well, at the moment... It has to be said, for different reasons, I'm actually quite attracted to most areas of fixed interest markets. And before anyone thinks that I'm uh, a persistent optimist or, or Pollyanna in my, my approach, just not the case. Actually, for a long time, I've been really quite negative on the um, on the outlook for lots of uh, different parts of the fixed interest markets. But the facts have changed. At the moment, your risk-free rate of nearly 5 and high quality corporate bonds, which very rarely default between six and seven, and more speculative areas, emerging market debt, high yield credit, asset backed securities, could be some terms your listeners understand and know, are offering those rates of around 10%, let's say eight and be conservative. Well, I'm attracted to all of those at this point in time. And this is the first time that we've been neutral, veering on overweight and fixed income in a long time from the perspective of all that different part of the fixed interest complex. At the moment, Carl, I'm attracted to nearly all of it for different reasons. I just think it's a a really good, attractive opportunity set. And for those of you, bearing with a second, who, like me, have been investing for 20 years, you might say, well, this sounds really optimistic. You know, Perhaps this is a Panglossian approach from from Tom Beckett. But actually, it's not. It's just a simple statement of the fact that we've gone back to where we were 20 years ago or 15 years ago before the central banks and governments destroyed fixed interest markets through having interest rates at zero and quantitative easing, we've gone back to normal. And fixed interest for your portfolio can go back to doing 5 to 6%. Well, that's
0: just where we used to be. And finally, a popular way to gain exposure to the 60-40 strategy, particularly among retail investors, is the Vanguard Life Strategy 60% Equity Fund. What are your thoughts on you know, investors using that passive strategy as a potential one-stop shop solution? I think this is symptomatic
1: of the whole 60-40 story through the last 15 years or so. Because it works so fantastically well and because Vanguard, who I think are a brilliant institution for the financial markets, they've democratised um, investment for lots of people at cheap rates of fees, which I think has got to be a good thing, um, particularly in a world of complexity and a lack of transparency still from parts of the financial management industry. This is a symptomatic, though, of the problem. It did really, really well, attracted loads and loads of money. You had a, a positive feedback loop between between its success and more money going into the strategy, and therefore feeding further success until it stopped. And it stopped last year. And last year was a really bad year for such strategies. But I would argue, as we sit here today, it's got a decent chance of succeeding from a long-term perspective in the future. But I would personally rather have a variation on a theme, and actually, within the sort of concept of such a 60-40 portfolio, actually be trying to embrace or overweight those things that we think are most attractive. Things like healthcare, as an example, or things like renewable technologies, which have performed awfully this year and could actually be quite attractive going forwards. I would rather have more money in certain markets that are a small part of the index, Japan being an example, than perhaps too much being in the US market, which I would look at right now. And of all the markets around the world, probably seems the most overvalued. Likewise, in fixed interest, I like the concept of all the fixed interest, but passive fixed interest is a bit different because there you are overweighting or giving the most money to the biggest debtors. Right now, I think you need to be a bit more selective. So very much respect Vanguard, very much respect the strategy, very much respect the whole concept behind the strategy. But I think a slight variation on the theme is is probably the way forward. As part of your strategy, I think it's very sensible. I wouldn't necessarily be having it as the whole of my investment strategy, and I'd be trying to eke out some selective returns elsewhere.
0: My thanks to Tom and thank you for listening to this episode of On the Money. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating or a review and follow the show in your podcast app. And if you get a chance, tell a friend about it too. You can join the conversation, ask questions, and tell us what you would like us to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website which is ii.co.uk. See you next week.